So we're in the middle of Advent, and when, probably when most of us think about Advent, we think, um, as far as like what it means, we think about, oh, it's a good time to prepare for Christmas Day. And all of us have these kind of like seasons of preparation in our lives, where we set aside, like whether it's a few weeks or a few months or even a few years, to where we're preparing for something more, something bigger to come. And when I look back at my own life, I see these like seasons of preparation, where God's like preparing me for something bigger. And one of the, looking back on my life, one of the biggest times that that happened was back in 2014. 2014 was when um, my wife was just finishing up pharmacy school down at uh, OSU, and I was about halfway through my master's program at OSU in a, a field of engineering called material science. And it was during that year, 2014, that me and my wife started feeling the call of God in our lives towards going into full-time like vocational ministry, and specifically campus ministry. And so long story short, we ended up saying yes to that and like trusting God in that. And so what that did is that set off about a year's worth of preparation for us, for us to prepare for like stepping into ministry. And what that looked like is, uh, as far as what that preparation looked like is I prepared for having these conversations with my parents, with my professors, with people like that saying, yeah, I'm not going the traditional career routes, but I'm actually going to go uh, go into church ministry <laughs> and preparing to have those con- kind of conversations. We also had, had to prepare financially. So, because when you step into full-time ministry, you don't just get a salary, you have to raise your own salary. And we knew that we would, there'd be a few months in there where we wouldn't have an income, so we had to start saving like now. So, started saving over the course of a year. Then there's the whole health insurance thing, because when you're a grad student, you actually have pretty decent health insurance because it's through the university. But then you step into ministry, you don't have health insurance. And so, oh, and then on top of all that, uh, Kaylee was pregnant with our first child. So that's just a little like cherry on top. It was quite the season. And it was really hard in a lot of ways, but it was also so good too, because there's so much joy in the middle of it. Like when you're working for, like when, when, you're, when you're expecting something, like you know you're stepping into the call of God in your life. And like you see, like, no, there's like, there's something bigger that's coming. There's so much more ahead. It gives you the joy and the strength to get through any, any hard time in, in the middle. Advent is absolutely about preparing for Christmas Day. But what Advent does is it, it provides us a reminder that this life is preparation for something much, much more. This life is preparation for something much more, i.e. Jesus returning. We are preparing for Jesus returning. We just heard this passage out of 1 Peter, uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. And there's so much in that passage. You guys heard it. I mean, that thing is dense. There's so much in it. But one of the main things that Peter's trying to convey to first century church at that time, and us as well, (laughs) is he's trying to convey to them this idea that we are to prepare for Jesus returning. And he gives some real practical steps that we can take to prepare for his coming back. One of those uh, practical ways that he gives, is he says, remember that you are exiles. You are exiles. 
And what he's doing there is he's pointing back to uh, the nation of Israel about four to 500 years before he wrote that letter. And he's saying, hey, just like them, and they were living in a country that was no longer their own. They were living in the nation of Babylon. He says, there were exiles there. And so now you too, now that you have put your faith in Jesus, now that you are his, and now he's called you your own, he's he, he called you his, home, his own, you now... Uh, he is now your home. He is where you find all those things that we normally associate with home. Comfort, peace, security, like all these different things are now found in him. And uh, he's now our home. Mm. I have a decently long commute to work. That's uh, about a half hour in the morning, which isn't too bad. But coming home, depending on traffic, is anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. And so I, I spend a fair amount of time on the road. And what I do is I listen to audiobooks typically. And one of the books that I just finished up is a really old book. It's like 500 years old, so like really, really old. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Oh my gosh, you guys. If you want to be... Um, figuratively smacked in the face by a book. Which I'm guessing most of you guys don't want that. Like, most people would not want that. Like, no thanks. And that's totally understandable. But if you do, <laughs> Fox's Book of Martyrs is for you guys. That book is 13 hours. It's a decent-sized audiobook. 13 hours chronicling 1,500 years of Christian after Christian after Christian after Christian going through just unimaginable suffering and death for their faith. Uh, and it goes into pretty intense detail at times uh, as far as how that all happens. I put, I, uh, especially coming home from work, I'm like getting in my car and I'm all, I've got just... I'm just all stressy in my head, just thinking about all like work stuff and everything. And then I turn that on and I start listening to these people's stories. <laughs> and I'll, like all of a sudden, like my issues and my problems, they're like kind of down there. And then, but these guys <laughs> and their issues, that's up there. Uh, it just, it's been so good for me, giving me some like real perspective. Um, but one of the stories in that book is about a woman named Mrs. Pratt. Mrs. Pratt lived during the mid-1500s, during the reign of Queen Mary I of England. And Queen Mary I uh, is also known as Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary, so yeah, whether you've heard of the historical figure Bloody Mary or you've had the drink, like either way, that's, that's, that's Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary... Uh, Queen Mary I oversaw one of the bloodiest persecutions of Christians of that entire era. Like, it was really, really bad. And Mrs. Pratt became a Christian during that time. And so I'd like to share with you guys just a very short excerpt from, uh, from her story uh, and some of her last words before she was taken to the stake to pay the ultimate price for her faith. Uh, I'm keeping it very short uh, because, like I said, there's a lot of details in this book that 
I just want to keep it PG for this, <laughs> for this service. So, you guys ready? There was perhaps something, something simply ludicrous in the form of Mrs. Pratt, as she was of short, very short stature, thick set, and about 54 years of age. No idea why they included those details, but they did. But her countenance was cheerful and lively, as if prepared for the day of her marriage with the Lamb. To mock at her form was an indirect accusation of her creator, who framed her after the fashion he liked best and gave her a mind that far excelled the transient endowments of perishable flesh. That's a line. Far excelled the transient endowments of perishable flesh. I love these old school books so much. When she was offered money, she rejected it because, said she, I'm going to a city where money bears no mastery, and while I'm, and while I am here with, I, while I'm here, God has promised to feed me. When sentence was read, condemning her to the flames, she lifted up her voice and praised God, adding, this day have I found that which I have long sought. When they tempted her to recant, that will I not, said she. God forbid that I should lose the life eternal for this carnal and short life. Mrs. Pratt got this whole idea that we are exiles here and that Jesus is her home and that she wouldn't be tempted by anything of this world that would distract her from that fact. I have such a hard time with this, personally, because I want to take so much comfort and peace and security in the things of this world and call this world my home. Uh, my workplace feeds into all this. So where I work, uh, I know that it, it is strongly encouraged for me to work more and more and more hours and just give and give and give. The more hours I put in, the more work I will get done, probably the better job I will do, the happier my boss will be, the better pay grade I'll be able to get to, the better, more money I'll be able to throw out a 401k, more stock options I'll get, the higher salary I'll get, so I can go buy more things to make me more comfortable in this life. And those things in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad. But the question is always like for me, like what am I willing to sacrifice to get those things? It is the natural state of Christians for us to learn to, be, to become comfortable being uncomfortable in this world. Mrs. Pratt got that, and I want to learn how to get that more too. That's point one. Point number two, as far as how do we uh, prepare for Jesus' returning, Peter says in verse 24, he says, remember that your flesh is like the grass of the field that weathers and fades away. Now, you could be talking about like your actual like flesh, like your skin, uh, but I, um, that's kind of like a no-duh, right? Like over time, it's not going to go well for our skin, like as we grow old. Like that's kind of a fact of life. So that's kind of like a no-duh. So what I, I think what he's probably getting to more there 
is this whole idea that like we have fleshly desires or worldly desires and basically desires that we have that aren't from God, that are just from ourselves or our desires from the world or th- ideas from the world that we have then taken on for, our, for ourselves. And, but there's these God desires as well that we have. And so uh, we get the we get the opportunity to say yes to God's desires for us and no to these fleshly and worldly desires. But what Peter's saying here that's like the such, a good, such good news in this is that our fleshly desires and our worldly desires are actually temporary. They're not our strongest desires. They're not the desires that are going to last forever. They're actually temporary. And the longer that we walk with Jesus, uh, and the more that we say yes to him, the desire, his desires for us grow stronger and stronger. I'm trying to teach this whole idea of like saying yes to, um, this whole idea of th- this idea that there's like good desires and not so good desires and like things that we want that we actually, those things, if we had them, it actually would not be good for us. I'm trying to teach that whole idea to uh, my kids. So we have three kids. This whole idea of self-control is that, that is like the most difficult thing to teach to teach children. I mean, <laughs> I'm like struggling trying to like teach my kids how to say yes and, and no to different things. And um, without just like, like doing, it, doing it the right way, without just like threatening them or actually being like a good like, just like... My, uh, my middle child, his name's Dane. He's three years old. You can pray for Dane. <laughs> so one of the things we've been working on is this whole idea that when you have food all over your face, you use a napkin to wipe it off. Like that's what it's there for, right? And <laughs> so we've been working on that. About a month ago, we were all, uh, all finishing up eating dinner, sitting at the table. We all kind of get up, and Dane, per usual, has yogurt all over his face. And he gets up, walks straight over to me, and just goes, like, all across my stomach. And, like, I just got from, back from work, so I had, like, my nicer work shirt on, and just, boom. Because he's, like, that high, you know? And I was just like standing there like, I don't even know what to say right now. <laughs> like that is so uncalled for on every level. Could you imagine like an adult like walking up to you and doing that? That'd be so messed up. <laughs> but the funny thing is too is Dane, he just kept on going. Like, he just, he did, it, it's, he did it in stride. He was like, boom, and then just kept going. Like, he, his mind was focused on, like, a toy or something. He's like, dinner's done. I want to go play. There's a thing. I'm just going to wipe my face on that thing. It just happened to be me. And then just carry on my, my merry way. Yeah. We get to, <laughs> and this is just such good news. This idea that uh, we have these desires now 
that God has placed inside of us, the moment that you say yes to Jesus, he places his Holy Spirit inside of you. What that means is that he gives you his desires for you. And your, inside of you then, that becomes your deepest desire, your strongest desire inside of you. And what that means is now that we know that, as, as if you are a Christ follower here, now that we know that, in the moment when we are facing like whatever temptation that we are, like when all of us face temptation all the time, in those moments that it feels like these desires that we know are from God, but are so strong in the moments, they seem like almost overwhelming at times. We actually get to know now <laughs> that know like we have these, these desires from God that are inside of us that are even stronger than those. And what desires are those? To be with him, to like know him more and to love him more and understand more fully his love for us. Those are our deepest desires inside of us. And now we get to say yes to those and no to anything else that separates from him. Such good news. Praise God for that. And then point number three that Peter makes as far as how do we prepare for Jesus returning it's from verse 13. He says, um, plan for action. And the action that he's talking about there, the context, is the action that's going to happen when Jesus returns. And what's all going to go down when that happens? When Jesus returns, he's saying, he's going to bring the hammer to all semblance of evil in the world. Anything evil you can think of, just fill in the blank. Jesus is going to bring it, bring the hammer to it, and vanquish it. Whether that is selfishness, pride, hypocrisy, corruption, greed, injustice, like fill in the, fill in the blank, Jesus is going to wipe it all out. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and we get to prepare for that day we get to prepare for the action that is gonna take place on that day. So how do we prepare for that? Well, we get to watch Jesus doing that in our lives right now. He's already giving a foretaste, a promise of what he's gonna do on that day in and through our lives right now. We get to watch Jesus go on the offensive and fight for us right now. All we have to do is just open up our eyes and watch. This is something that um, God's been actually speaking to me a lot about during my morning uh, time with him. Uh, before I go to work every morning, I just spend some time, read the Bible, pray, and journal. And recently, that's what God's been speaking to me a lot about, is he's saying, hey, heads up, today, watch for me as I go on the offensive and fight for you. And I'm like, all right, I'm watching. Sounds good. And... Uh, it's, it's just so interesting what he does. A couple months ago, I was working at, like, on one of our tools. And I, so I'm a process engineer, I work at Intel. And I was, me and another engineer, we were having an issue with one of our tools. I work on a, on a tool set called Plasma Etchers. And so we were there, and we were explaining the situation to some guys from upper level management. Now how it works at Intel, so you've got, in a, in a typical fab, you have like a clean room, which it's, it's all clean. You wear in your bunny suits. It's where wafers are processed. Then you have what's called the subfab area, and then uh, where there's more tools and components and equipment. 
And then you have uh, an even deeper layer called the trench with more equipment. And you don't want to go into the trench. It is not a happy place. It's dark, it's damp, it's very claustrophobic. I don't like going down there. And uh, so me and my buddy, like my, my coworker, her fellow engineer, uh, were explaining the situation we were having with this tool to, to these guys from upper level management. And I'm holding a screw. And I'm just thinking to myself, John, do not drop the screw. Don't drop it. Uh, because below me isn't just solid floor. It's like, kind of like uh, grating. Like it's, it's mainly open. It's like these like metal ribs or slats that you're actually standing on and just then just a lot of open space between them. And so I'm just like, don't drop the screw because it's going down. It ain't coming back. So what do I do? I, I obviously drop, yeah. I drop the screw. And I watch as that, that sucker just descends. And I'm like, no. This is so embarrassing. It's like these guys are here. Uh, I just watch as it goes down, down. And it hits one of the, uh, those middle, metal like ribs and sticks, just sticks. And like does not like abide by the laws of physics and like roll off to one side or the other to like the gaping hole on one side or the gaping hole on the other side down into like the abyss of the trench. It just like stays there. I'm like, Are you kidding me? I was just like, yes. I Man, I was flying high the rest of that day. Mm. Man. We worship a God who fights for us, fights for us, even in the seemingly menial things of this life, like that we all go through, even the small things, God sees them and he knows them. Uh, we might think like, man, he's just such a big God, like he has so many other things to be worried about than my little situations, but it's actually not true. Like he is that big and he has, is that good. And he, he, he sees and he's with you in all of it. We worship a God who fights for us, he sees situations where we're like, yep, there is no way that is going to go well. That is a bad, bad, bad situation. Like, it is, it is going to end in a train wreck. And then, somehow, it kind of works out. It's actually okay. It actually ends up being okay or, like, even, even good. Or, like, we, sit, we face a situation in front of us where we're like, I am terrified of this. I'm full of fear. I'm stressed out. I'm worried. I have no idea how I'm going to get through this. There's, there's no way this is going to, I'm going to get through it. And then all of a sudden, God gets us through it. And we make it. And he, and he brings us through. And again, and again, and again. And he just keeps on delivering. He keeps on going. And we begin to, like, open up our eyes and see that God's doing this all the time. Like he's fighting for us all the time. Like all the things that could have and should have gone bad, so very few of those things actually do happen. And we see that God is like, man, he's so for us. It's unbelievable. Like we worship such a, such a good God. Now, the big question in all of this though is why? Why should I prepare for Jesus returning? If Jesus is returning, he's returning. 
How does my preparation do anything in that process? It's a good question. I think the obvious answer to that is this whole idea that we worship a God who is deeply concerned with our preparation process. Like his mind is fixed on that. He's always on, on us and where we are at and how we are doing. He is, um, you can call it, he's the God of the process. I've already preached a sermon on that whole topic, so I won't get, won't get into the details of that. But this, it's this whole idea that God is less concerned with our end destination. He's so little concerned with our end destination. What he is so concerned about is being with us in the highs and in the very lows. Like we are, when we are most down and out, that's what, that, that's what he's concerned about. That's when he's there. And then everything in between. Why? Because it builds up our relationship with him. It is self-evident that in a human relationship, that the more you go through with somebody, whether it's like good things or bad things or anything in between, the more you go through with them, the deeper that relationship with that human becomes. And it is no different with God. The more that we choose to walk with God through the ups and downs of this life, the deeper our relationship gets with him. So there's that whole side of the coin as far as the why. But even more than that, this idea that we prepare because bigger things are coming. Just like in my uh, master's program back in 2014, I still had halfway to go on that thing. And then God called me into full-time ministry. And it started off a preparation process for that year. And it was hard at times, but it was so worth it because bigger things were coming. And it was so exciting. It was so exciting. And it's no different with this. The author of Hebrews says that it is for the joy set before him, that is Jesus, that he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus saw, the, Jesus saw what was beyond the cross, the good, amazing, incredible things that were beyond the cross, and he gave him the joy and the strength to get through it. Amen. Same thing with this. That's why we prepare. Yeah. And the preparation that we put on the front end reaps benefits on the back end. It just does. But how God prepares for things is different from how the world prepares for things. Jesus-style preparation looks very different from worldly-style preparation. Jesus-style preparation looks like, let's revisit these three points. Number one, Remember that you were exiles. This isn't your home. Jesus is not your home. Number two, remember that you are, uh, that you're you're, the desires of your flesh are like the grass of the field that wither and fade away. Uh, that's good news. And then number three, this says, watch for me. Plan for action by watching me fight for you. Remember, remember, watch. It's not a whole lot of you doing anything in that. It's a lot, it's, it's not a whole lot of you better perform up to Jesus' standards for you, otherwise he is not going to be happy. It's not a whole lot of, man, you better white knuckle this thing, otherwise when Jesus returns, he's not going to be like, wow, like, you are so amazing, you are so incredible. No, like, that is, that mindset is actually how the world prepares for things. 
It is so unmerciful and so unforgiving, so lacking of grace in every way. But how Jesus-style prepare, Jesus preparation is much more like, just remember, remember, like what I've done for you and the love that I've shown you. And watch <laughs> as I go with you. I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going with you and I'm fighting for you. And you just got to open up your eyes and watch and allow the Holy Spirit to train your minds to see what I'm doing all around you. Jesus-style preparation is a restful endeavor. It's a joyful endeavor. Worship team, you can come on up. And so, this, uh, this Advent, we get to remember that Jesus is our everything. Jesus is our everything. It's all about that baby in a manger. Where we get to remember that Jesus is my home. He's my home. He is where I find my peace. He is where I find my security. He is where I find my comfort. And I don't take comfort, ultimate comfort in the things of this world. I'm done with that. Jesus is now my home. See, so paved the price for me. Jesus is now the fulfillment of all of my desires. All of my desires are now found in him. And I just want to know him more. I just want to understand more fully the radical, insane love that he has for me because it changes everything. It makes my fleshly desires and it enables me to say no to those things and yes to him. So I just want to be with him. And we begin to see the grace of God moving through our lives and us beginning to, to do things that we otherwise can't do in and of ourselves as we say yes to him. And we get to watch as Jesus moves and he fights. Our conquering king fights for us as a foretaste of what's to come. And so, uh, we get to prepare in this way uh, for Jesus returning, which, according to Peter, in verse 4 of this chapter, will look like this. Imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. Sounds pretty good to me. Sounds like something worth preparing for. Amen? Awesome. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are, you are so good. You are so, so good. We just, we hand everything over to you, Lord Jesus, right now. We want you to be our center in every way this Christmas season. We want you to be our center. We want to say yes to you, Lord, because you are so, so good to us, and you love us, and you have nothing but good things for us and our best interests in mind. Thank you so much, Lord, um, for the price you paid for us. Uh, and uh, that, yeah, you could be our home, our comforts, um, and the fulfillment of all of our desires. And uh, just thank you so much, God, that we get to spend this season, Lord Jesus, we just spend this season with you at the center and us worshiping you and growing in our relationship with you as we like walk with you through these next few weeks. Thank you, God.
Jesus' name, amen.